How are you? I am. I have survived the uh, the heat and the cold of the last couple of days, so I'm uh, doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. For those of us um, living in the eastern part of the United States and the Northeast, uh, had a had had a kind of uh, tour of the seasons within <laughs> 24 hours, 48 hours. I was summer, fall. <laughs> yes, we've we've got them all. Um, it was quite, <laughs> it was quite ridiculous. <laughs> all in a couple of days. I know, I know. I mean, Saturday, it's eighty-five degrees. My daughter and I actually were out in our little bathing suits on a blanket, pretending we we're at the beach, and I was reading oh outside gosh. in my backyard, just pretending. And then it snows. Of course. <laughs> it's crazy. Why it's not? really crazy. Why not? I know. What I know. Way to enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the world is to uh, sit in your yard and enjoying a summer day and having snow the next. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I know. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It is. It is. But it's. It's, you know, it's April. Everything goes in April in, in this part of the world. That's true. That's true. At least we don't get the tornadoes like they do down south, so we're lucky that way. This is true. So. I agree. So we have so. a couple of announcements. Do tell, do tell. Do tell, do tell. Um, you know, as you real, remember, Gabriel's Inferno's podcast had to cancel last Sunday. So they're trying to reschedule again for this Sunday at 5 p.m. and do Chapter 3 of Gabriel's Redemption. Uh, Trilogia de Gabriel, uh, there it's Saturdays at 3 p.m. Mexico time. And Unoit Influencia uh, is doing the uh, Judgmento de Gabriel. And they're usually at 3 o'clock New York time. Um, SR, as we've all found out is very deep in the writing cave and uh, working on uh, Gabriel 4 and uh, he's uh, also going to when he when he can he's going to be coming out of his den and letting us know that there's some really good news uh, so make sure you're if you're not connected to him in SR's Fox Den on Facebook make sure you go in there and join and sign up for SR's news, newsletter because he'll any news will come in all that and uh it's just 
I'm lost without without having my SR in outside of the fox's den. I just. But I'm glad he's I know. Good I know. But you know, we we need to respect the process. I know. And it, he's deep inside that writing cave. SR when SR's writing, SR is writing. Is writing. You know, I've been leaving uh, leaving some uh, Timmy's and coffee outside, and I've noticed uh, outside the den occasionally. It's there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, we know that something's getting him. That's so, right. So we're looking forward to having him come back. Uh, yeah, I miss his tweets, too. That's what makes him so much fun. Uh, it is great to have an author who's interactive, and that's one of the things that's so much fun. And a lot of authors are. I mean, that is, that is how you share and promote your books. But um, it's also how you get to know your readers and... Um, get ideas i mean you know sr credits his readers sr credits the readers for encouraging the third gabriel book mm -hmm. um so and sr is always listening I, I i know always paying attention to what people are talking about you know when we float the idea of having a book for luke and sr is thinking about that it's all under consideration. <laughs> yes, it is. He's funny. Uh, somebody sent, I, I, I think I, I copied you in this, on this, Leslie, about a uh, robbery of some sort. I did see that. I and, did see that. You know, it would be, um, I forget where it was exactly, but it's in the United States, but it would be a great place for, for Nicholas and Acacia to start an investigation on. I know. Well, that's the thing. And Pam, you and I have talked about this before. The the character and the the characters in the framework um, of the man in the black suit really lend itself to have this almost be a type of a serial um, franchise, for lack of yeah, a better word. It, I it mean, could be like an it Ian Fleming franchise. Exactly. And there is never, sadly, there's never going to be a lack of art heists, thefts, antiquity robberies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's so much you could, there's so much rich material that SR could tap into. Oh, most um, definitely. You know, and in all corners of the world, mm -hmm. um, from the U.S. to the U.K., to Australia, to... Africa, I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine? I, I just, I oh, actually, yeah. I, I know what, I might need to put it in writing and send it to SR and exactly. give mm -hmm. SR some of my thoughts. Freely, exactly. free contributions, free SR. Free contribution for what you should, what we think you should do. <laughs> yes. We're, we're giving you free and content. He, he could be, you know, and he could do the Richard Bachman thing, which was, um, uh, Stephen King, he was he would he has so many novels come out all the time, and he he uh, had other books that he was writing, and because they didn't, there were so many at one time, he decided to go under another pseudonym of Richard Bachman. You know what? I did not realize that that Stephen King did that. I know I know yeah. several other authors have done that. I didn't realize Stephen King did that. Yes, he did. 
this. Doesn't came, surprise me. He came I also know people do that with different genres too, right? I mean, sometimes people will write under one name for one genre. Yes. You know. Yes, Lorraine, he is so kind to us. He is. I'm very <laughs> excited because I, I uh, got my ticket for the All Souls um, book that's coming out from uh, Deborah Harkness. I'm, I'm excited about that. And uh, I uh, that's May 17th. Or she's doing a book signing here, so I'm looking forward to that. That will be great. Yeah, and because of SR, that's why I got to reading the All Souls trilogy. So, And that's really, oh, it's so good. It is so good. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be great. And I see Lorraine saying, OMG, SR's tweet. I'm so excited. <laughs> She's stalking him everywhere, LOL. <laughs> she misses his tweets, but I'm excited that he is writing. I yes, I, sometimes I think we all feel a little stalkerish with uh, SR. But in, in a good, non-threatening way, more, more, more like a fan, more like a fangirl kind of way, yes. I think. Um, it's great to also see Joni and Tierra joining us today. Welcome, ladies. Um, we're just about to dive into Chapter 9. And uh, as we remember from last week when we were talking about Acacia's in a really tense spot and she's really, really nervous because she opened Pandora's box by calling Luke about her suspicion. You know, her innocent question led to the BRB officers all over the hotel and she's really stressed by the situation because here's this character, here's this lovely woman who's trying to stay below the radar not ruffle any feathers, um, really keep on a low profile, um, really at the center of a major police operation uh, to possibly uh, rescue a lost, stolen treasure of France. So um, it was a pretty intense chapter. And as we, as we, you know, the, as the first line of chapter nine states, Acacia did not sleep well. I would have been shocked if she did, frankly, because she was so worked up um, at the end of the last chapter. And, you know, she had spent, um, you know, after being dropped off by a BRB agent, she really just spent an hour just staring at the ceiling. She couldn't, sh she couldn't shut her mind off. And thinking about everything that had happened at the hotel that night. And I don't know about you, Pam, but that does happen sometimes. My daughter often um, gets to a point where she's thinking about so many things and she cannot shut down. She cannot oh turn her brain off. And actually, I saw a post about that being a sign of high intelligence, which I do believe, too. Um, but it's just was very difficult. You know, her, her mind is racing and she's going over everything in her head. Um, <laughs> do, have, does that sound familiar? Very familiar. Too, too <laughs> has, often. Has that happened to you? Of course it has. Especially mm -hmm. when there's, you know, whether it be good or bad, especially when there's something going on and you don't know how you're going to handle it and what's going on with it. And, and then you, you, for me, it's like all of a sudden I start playing all these different scenarios in my head and. Mm -hmm. always to the extreme yes. and then when I finally fall asleep I always 
wake up with this dream. I was, it's it's almost like a recurring dream for me, mm-hmm. where I'm chasing a train, and whether it be a, a train on an open train track, whether it be a subway, or getting a you know being in a train station and going down to the platform, I'm always chasing chasing a train somewhere, and I'm always missing it. You know, I'm right. there across. You know, so yes, I'm well aware. Of yes. That Yes, I, I can relate, although I rarely ever remember my dreams, but I can sometimes, if I'm really caught up in everything, um, you know, I keep running, running through situations in my head. Um, and to the point where sometimes I will write everything I'm thinking down. Um, actually, a, a dear mentor of mine, and ladies, you can try this, and gentlemen, if you're listening, um, if you have a lot of things weighing on your mind, um, my, one of my mentors actually would wake up in the middle of the night like, and couldn't go back to bed because he was thinking about something. Mm-hmm. If He wrote everything out, and then it's almost like you could put it away and then release that thought from your brain, and that's what he did. So, And it actually does work. So just a suggestion. I, I would have told Acacia that had I, had I been her friend at the time. Um, so she is trying to go to bed. She can't go to sleep. She can't can't shut her mind down. And, uh, finally she just gave up. And what does she do? (laughs) She makes (laughs) Pao de Quejo. (laughs) That delicious, delectable cheese bread from Brazil. Mm -hmm. Uh, hello, Kez. I'm sorry I don't have any Pao to share with you (laughs) she says she's sorry she's wiping the sleep out of her eyes well i'm sorry that we're we're broadcasting when when you have to wipe the sleep out of your eyes but good morning good morning my friend happy thursday um so as she was watching the sunrise making breakfast she hears a knock at the door claude meowed he was not happy and I'm sure she was jumpy because of the the everything that was going on that night. Mm-hmm. And yes, Kez, it does sound delicious, delicious doesn't it? We got to get the <laughs> recipe. We got to see if Andardo or, or Samia will give up a recipe for it. I was going to ask them actually, Andy or or Samia, because uh, I do. I think I want to try and make it. You know who will make it, and will make it love uh, in a fantastic way is Karen. Yes, she will. Yes. Um, so Cassia looked through the peephole, and who does she see but Luke? His hands are in his pockets of his leather jacket, and she must have been startled and surprised to see him because it is 7.30 in the morning. So she mm-hmm. picks up the cat, and he's looking grim, so she thought she better open the door. Mm-hmm. And... You know, she's like, dude, it's 7.30. <laughs> and, you know, he he was being serious and he says, this is important, may I come in? And even Claude must have sensed the, the stressful vibe because he shot across the floor and hid under the bed. That's one thing so, I love about cats. They, they, you know, <laughs> they either like you or they don't like you. Yeah. If they don't like you, they're... They, they're off mm-hmm. as opposed to little boo-boos that 
like to bark at 2 a.m. in the morning and will oh. run out the door and, and try to lick your face even though he can't reach your knee when he's on his own legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's that unconditional love, though, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just wonderful. So she lets Luke in and asks him what's going on. Um, he wanted to know if she had spoken to anyone at the hotel. And she said no, she hadn't, and her shift did not start until 9. Uh, she was having breakfast and asked Luke to have a seat at her small kitchen table. And being the hospitable uh, concierge and also the hospitable Brazilian, she poured him some coffee, mm-hmm. which is not uncommon. Um, and coffee from a press at that, oh my gosh, that is great flavor right there it is but i can I, never get it hot enough mm, true true but oh my gosh it's so good it is. um so luke noticed that she was still wearing her good luck charm and he gestured at the hamsa pendant and she said she never took it off um and, you know, as she kind of straightens up her robe and was having a seat and noted that her colleague was not very nice, Philippe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Luke, being the great apologist, <laughs> said that, you know, he was, you know, he, he was under a lot of pressure. He's being a good detective and he is a good detective. Um, but this Musée des Art case um, really was weighing heavily on him. And uh, so she, you know, she offered him coffee and she offered him the plate of Pau de Quejo. And uh, Luke smiled, you know, his grim expression shifted because he was getting some of the goods uh, and he was getting to enjoy this wonderful cheese bread. And he made a comment that he really missed them as he woofed it down. And Acacia said she made them this morning. And he was saying how much he missed that and asked for her mother. And Acacia had thanked him and said she was fine. She was trying not to engage him, though. She was just answering the questions. Because you're still in that awkward former fling situation. You know. She's trying not to let the, the conversation get any deeper than it really is. Exactly. And Kez says, yum. I agree, Kez. I, <laughs> I, want, I want some of the, the, I want some of the cheese bread. Uh-huh. The Palo de Quejo. <laughs> they look good. They do look good. I, I do have a picture of them. I, I think I posted mm-hmm. it out on Twitter. And uh, they look delicious. So, yeah. Andy and Samia look for a message from us and on a recipe <laughs> yes yes so luke then asked her if, if he'd been so terrible as a boyfriend and a lover and uh, he had treated her well he loved her and he never cheated on her the, the i lab, know oh uh, this part this part was just uh and and the, the the use of the word he looked stricken Right, you know, you could tell he's just agonizing about this. Because he would, he really does. Well, he, I think he would really like to get back together with her, 
Now, mm-hmm. I don't know whether it would be kind of a rebound or not because of Simone. Broken off with Simone. I don't know. I feel like, I just feel like he never really fully got over her. That's my personal take on it. You know, he was, you know, she's the one who, you know, we're not quite sure exactly what happened, but, mm-hmm. but you know, she's so, focusing on her career and. Yes, yeah, she is. And um, she's, you know, and, when, and he kept saying how worried about her he was. And he, she said, you know, she can take care of herself. And Luke knew this, but, you know, it's always, even if you can take care of yourself, it's always nice to have someone to you know, interact with and, and to help to, to look out for you as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, so Cassia said that it was not easy being an immigrant and in this country and being caught between two worlds and never fitting. Um, so she was kind of focusing on her career and supporting her family because she has mm-hmm. a good daughter. And I can, you know, I not having been an immigrant, but... You know, having been in a, in foreign countries where you don't know the language and, you know, you're trying to talk to people. I mean, sometimes it works. Sometimes, it, you know, some people can look at you kind of strange. Like, I, I remember years ago when I was in Spain meeting my friend that I went with. We met these two guys and, and they spoke about as much English as we spoke Spanish, which wasn't the same much. <laughs> But we got along okay, and you know we we um, they, we they we were all hanging out together the entire time we were there, and they would take us to clubs and after hours places and that kind of stuff, and it was a lot of fun. And and you know, and yet when I this summer less or less fall when I was traveling, um, it, it was a little more difficult because it was France, in France especially, and in and in Italy because then I really am lost on the language. And France, the French are kind of, can be kind of snobby if they, especially if they, if they don't, if you don't speak their language and, you know, everybody must speak French. And then if you do speak French, you're not speaking it well enough for them sometimes. But, you know, anybody that I, that I did meet while I was there this past summer, well, they were, or past fall was very nice. And, and, you know, I met people from Australia, I met people from um, Germany, I met people from Holland, I met French, and I met Sp- or Italian people, and London was great, because then all I had to do was figure out what the hell they were talking about on a certain <laughs> words, because they don't match what we think they are. So yeah, so I can imagine how difficult it would be for her. Feel like I, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, you you can feel... Well, and even, I mean, she's really acclimated to the culture. I mean, she studied at the Sorbonne. She's mm-hmm. lived there for, mm-hmm. even even if you live there for years, mm-hmm. you still sometimes don't feel like you fully belong yeah, or fully you're belong. fully accepted. And I, I mean, I can understand that. I, my husband's Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. I have to say the Latino uh, community where I live has had been incredibly gracious and welcoming. Um, but I would go to Spanish mass. I mean, in completely in Spanish, um, probably the only, in some instances, I was the only non, uh, native speaker Mm -hmm. in the entire church. Um, but they were so welcoming. The members of the community were so welcoming. So, you know, I didn't feel out of place at all. I felt like I belonged because they 
helped me feel that way. Sure. And my um, former, my so it's it's easy to see. It's easy to see though if you don't have that kind of a support. Um, and you know, I, obviously, studying abroad and you know, you're definitely. Um, I can relate to your experiences, Pam, when you were traveling. How you uh, definitely know you're. <laughs> You're not in Kansas anymore, it's Toto. True, it's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, but even even my my daughter-in-law's family is from Colombia, and uh, you, um, they're her, her. They've been a lot of her family still there, and she has some uncles and aunts that live here in the states. And her grandmother goes back and forth. Her grandmother worked for the Colombian embassy, and then worked for a coffee company. So she. And then when she retired, she was here six months out of the year and there for six months out of the year. And her, her uh, children or aunts are the aunts and uncles that came in. And I, they were, they're all citizens now. But, it, you know, it, it, when I've gone to, to holiday dinners or whatever at their homes, um, I, they all speak Spanish. So and I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. But luckily, you know, (laughs) yes, Kaz, it is really wonderful. It it has been, it's been a great experience. And, uh, but yeah, I understand too, growing up as my mother's side of the family is Greek and my father's side of the family is not. Um, She's Greek, she's Greek American, but my, you know, her first language was Greek before she spoke English. So even as a child, sometimes I, I would feel caught between the two cultures. Right. Um, and I, you know, so I can understand what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And I can understand and I appreciate the fact that Luke um, is concerned about yeah. her he being concerned. an immigrant in this country. Because he, he also has seen a lot of the anti-immigration groups escalating with their campaigns and with the terrorist um, things that have happened just in France. They had the Bataclan was it about two years ago they had there was another where uh somebody shot up a grocery store i believe it was and they had went through a chase chasing through the streets of paris absolutely um, and nice when they had that truck that went down that boulevard and and ran down all those people so you know the, the it's something that it's not just here in the united states or in england or anywhere else it's all over the place and and it's you know there the it, it affects it affected her because of the way the woman from the own spoke with her right so, so right try, trying to change the subject uh <laughs> asked why she was still in the same apartment and you know she's got this the corner it's a corner building on the rue saint jacques and the um rue de la Sofat. and it's a neat building uh, i have to put a post a picture of it i have it um and but she likes it it's yeah it's small and she probably afford something bigger and luke was like you know it's tiny and the bed creaks and what have you and but she loved it and it was you know just right for what she wanted and you know she got a decent rent rent from that because her friend anuk um family owned it so they Mm -hmm. rented it from them right and it's comfortable i have to say though when i read the whole thing when uh, Luca's saying, you know, about being this tiny apartment and the bed is lumpy and it creaks and you can mm-hmm. afford something better, I just kind of chuckled and like, yeah, Luke, you're thinking about that bed, aren't you? 
He's yeah, thinking of he's being thinking of his times with her. He's mm-hmm. slipping it in there as much as he can. You know, Kez was just saying, even the simplest things become a challenge when you visit a different speaking language country, such as the ATM, my experience. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth, Kez. Listen, I was in Spain and my friend and I had a call something was going on with our airline coming our, our flights coming back and we got a message at the hotel that the airline had called and so we were like okay so we're now we're at a pay phone because we didn't have a phone in our hotel room trying to figure out how in the hell you use the goddamn pay phone because you had the different size coins you know because in at that time they weren't using the euro they were using the peseta and it was different size coins and you had to stick them in a certain way so that they would slide down a slot to get in the, it wasn't just putting the coins in a hole like you did in the united states on a payphone and cell phones were non-existent <clears throat> to to us in 1981 i think it was 80 or 81 i went so you know so i mean it was yeah it was it was comical so we ended up just taking a train up to Tormelinos and going to uh, where the, the call had originated from, a travel agent in Tormelinos. And they were able to help us out. So, but yeah, it, it's fun. It's, diff- it's different. <laughs> and it's something you think would be so straightforward. Yeah, you know, you want to make a phone call. You pick up the phone, put money in, and you, hello. <laughs> so, um, but Luke, you know, she, now Luke wants to get into what's, why he was actually there, and she said um, they had, that the uh, office had called or the, um, and told her that Pierre had been released an hour earlier, and when asked why, uh, he told her that the painting was actually a reproduction. And, uh. Yeah, and experts from the uh, Musée the modern had uh, said you know sorry not real here so she that was uh they were confused because why wasn't it in a frame and why was he wearing gloves the entire time and uh so then Cassia started worrying that she'd be that uh you know he would be coming after her and she was she was reassured by by luke that uh, he was that uh, Pierre Breckman was going to be leaving Paris today, and that she, he hadn't. They had not ID'd her as the witness to as to why that they were called in and came for him. And uh, but he would probably have put two and two together and come up with four, and you know because she saw it and whatever. And uh, but Luke was only a phone call away, and she asked about the media because she was very concerned that she was going to be. Um, put out there right right that her name and and her face would be out in the public eye would be out there and uh she he said no that there had been a complete media blackout and that the press was um told that something had happened at the hotel and that's why the brb were there they were just following up on a lead but no one mentioned her name and uh you know she should be careful and that uh uh, that Pierre Breckman, uh, Luke told her that Pierre Breckman was very cooperative, but the attack on Marcel was very suspicious. And Cassia thought that uh, that they were missing something, so Luke started teasing her. No more commissaire Maigret. 
So I had to look that up. I know, I know. I had to, too. You know, and and I had wanted to ask SR if if he had read about this detective. And Mm -hmm. uh, being in the den, I couldn't get, you know, it was uh, lucky that the uh, Timmies were taken out from inside. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's a this was a uh, the commissaire Marguerite was a uh, uh, commissioner in the Paris Brigade. Brigade can't even stay talk. <laughs> Have and, another sip. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, that uh, it was a novel written. These novels were written by Georges Simeon, and there were seventy six novels actually, and. Uh, 38 short stories, and they were written between 1931 and 1972. Um, wow. They were, yeah, they were adapted. That, that is ex- impressive. Yeah, that's a lot of books. Right. A lot of books. Um, CSR, they, just mm-hmm. an, idea. an idea. Man in the Black Suit, 76 um, novels. And I wanted to know <laughs> if he read any of them. Any of them. So, um, but they had been adopted. They've been adopted to both TV and radio. And I think the BBC has had them. I don't think they've been on American television at all. Uh, but as of November 2013, Penguin Books was publishing translations of these novels. And when I looked up uh, through Penguin Books, what, you know, how many they had done, they're only at number 56 of all the novels that have been translated. So, wow. So that is a lot of books. And that's yeah. a really long career. Uh, that's a long, re- that's 40 years. Yeah. And 41 that, years. I know that they're hoping to get the finished um, translating the books by 2019, I think. So. Wow. So, yeah. I'll be curious if they will be picked up. I, You know, like I said, the BBC <clears throat> and they, they've been picked up in France for TV and radio. Um, I don't, you know, so anything's possible. Right, right. And I'm sure, um, you know, I would think that SR may have uh, possibly read one or two. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never, you know. never know. But I, I thought, you know, I thought that was really... I thought it was interesting about the translations because I, I only wanted to see, you know, if this was like, you know, a TV, sh- you know, if this was TV or not, you know, or novels or. So it's interesting that they started as novels and were actually adapted to TV and radio. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, you learn something every time you read SR. You know, and I'm always finding different books that has been read and. You know, whether it be A Severe Mercy or mm-hmm. Graham Greene's book, uh, The End of the Affair. The End of the Affair. You know, whatever. You know, I still haven't read something. those. I still haven't read those. I took The End of the Affair with me to France or mm-hmm. to Europe. And um, I think I've gotten through about three chapters and then I got home and put it down and I haven't picked it up since. So yeah. I have to go back to it. Anyways. You have to be in the right frame of mind, I think, to read that Some and the severe did, mercy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. severe mercy i really it's a beautiful beautiful book it's a beautiful story it's a true story mm-hmm. and, you know it's a, it's a lovely uh, co- uh commentary on this couple's love for each other and what happens when one of them 
uh, passes away and how he's dealt with it. But it, I, I just it got too personal, too close to home, and I just couldn't read it anymore. Well, and yes, I, I was actually thinking that I was thinking, well, that must have really brought up a lot of emotions for you. It did. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, that's that's a very intensely. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very it's, intense it's, yeah, human experience and to, to read it after you've been through it I think would be quite a challenge um, oh Kez says she loved the end of the affair and the audio with Colin Firth is really good well I do have Ooh. audio so maybe I should download that I didn't realize Colin Firth was the narrator for that that would be nice. I could Kate, just listen to Colin all. And, and in case you're interested, Kate Winslet does Matilda. Oh, that's, really? Yes, oh, that's so great. That's I so could see that. Anyhow. anyhow, and Kaz said, yes, A Severe Mercy is a very heavy read. But, you know, SR gets deep. He does. SR gets deep. That's, does. She said, yes, it's great. I, I agree. So after Luke told her not to be the detective, and she said, that's fine with me. And she offered him more cheese bread. And Luke continued that, um, you know, he still wanted to look into Breckman. So he pulled his records. Uh, he told Acacia that she should keep the conversation quiet since he wasn't supposed to be telling her. And Acacia told him that she could definitely keep a secret. And, uh, in fact, she goes, you know I can keep a secret. And he, ch he chuckled. That's why I'm risking it. And, yes, Kez, Kez says, yes, he does, Leslie, in my reference to SR getting deep. Um, yeah, he really, he's, he is excellent, which is why we like reading him. Um, so as Luke was continuing on, uh, risking, uh, sharing this conversation with her, um, he said, well, they found nothing unusual about Pierre Breckman. Um, you know, he was trying to figure out, you know, why his security detail would be so massive. Why would someone who's doing legitimate business need so many men and his team? And why would he hide a reproduction of a stolen painting? And, you know, mentioned that her discretion would be um, appreciated and rewarded. And, you know, something's not adding up to Luke. And I think it's the same something that Acacia had in her mind. You know, it just, there was something there. You so couldn't put a finger on it. You could not identify it. But you know there's something that's not quite right. Yeah, because Acacia Googled him. She couldn't find any pictures of him. Right. Right. And in this day and age, you have to really work to not be on social media. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my mom doesn't have an account. Uh, my mom is not on social media, does not have accounts on social media. But even my mom, has there's pictures of her out there on social media. You know, and then people tag them or, you know, it's so even if you're trying to stay away from it, you have to really work to not have yourself show up. 
Um, so, you know, he, he's kind of contemplating this and he's thinking the more powerful the crime boss, the less of the footprint. And, you know, usually the, the big bosses have their soldiers do their dirty work. But I'll then, tell you what, those, those <laughs> mafia guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and he even said, you know, he's thinking organized crime has been known to use works of art as payment for, you know, any kind of crime or insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, having, having your underlings do your bidding. Having your minions, so to speak. Um, I know it made him think twice about it, but, you know, and then Acacia, but Acacia's instinct was the fact that he just did not seem like a crime boss. See, now, um, they can be very tricky. I mean, if you look, one of the things that I've, I've, I've loved delving into in my lifetime mm-hmm. is, is the mafia. Don't ask Yes. Me. Oh, yes. But, but I just, you know, I... I I like to read things that um, there's a, a guy from New, who's I think the head of the police uh, or something in New York. I think his name is John Kelly. Mm-hmm. And um, in Philadelphia, there's a writer by the name of George Anastasia. I was just going to ask who, you, do you read George Anastasia stuff? Of course because I do. <laughs> he, of course you do. He delves into it. I mean, he's, he's an expert. Oh yeah. And you know, anytime there's something like, you know, on, one of those like true TV or investigative discovery or whatever about the mob. I love looking at it. And, you know, the, the crime bosses can look like a normal businessman out in the street. You know, they don't necessarily look like, uh, you know, this, the, the others. They don't look like bad guys, right? I mean, even the Teflon Don, I mean, he, you know, John Gotti, Right. He looked to like a, a respectable point, chap. Yeah, you know, he had some very nice clothes and everything like that. He wasn't a very nice man. But, um, you know, that's, but I, I, I just, I get into all that kind of stuff. And I've, I've had, I, I had a very, my best friend uh, for a lot of years, Suzanne, who um, got married in 1989, I think it was. Yeah, 1989. And she married into Mafia, a guy who was connected. And they're still married, and he's still alive, so she. Um, but I, when, when she got into the lifestyle with him and got into that group, she pretty much had to cut off all her friends who were not connected. And I, But I remember going to her wedding, and she was married um, at the Chapel of the United Nations, which was very cool. But her reception was in Brooklyn, New York, and it was called the El Carib. And we came in, and the, the the parking lot around the building had these high wood walls, and then just an opening so you could get your car through. And there were cars lined up across from the from the driveway, with people with with cameras. You, you know, and they weren't photographers from the media. They were undercover. They were policemen watching what was going on, and they were taking photographs of every car that went in there for the for their license plate. Just like in the movies. And, um, but we got we got into the reception. It was a beautiful reception. It was elaborate. To I've never been to such an elaborate as far 
has money being spent wedding and um you know like you walked in and the happy hour was two hours and you had uh this they, we were all in this one room and it started with uh cheese and crackers and it just got on more and more from there as far as hors d'oeuvres and they had a carving station and with roast beef and they had um all kinds of other stuff lobster uh oh my gosh you're making me hungry pan i mean it was (laughs) i'm like oh i guess this is the stupid me oh this must be nice for the reception i mean you know just a lot of different foods a lot of good foods no no was the only the happy hour that was and just we, the starter huh yeah that, so we got we got ushered into another room at one room and it was a big empty room but in that room she had a caricature artist um a couple of other i think like a, a photo booth like you, you know like remember you get the strips of photos she had one of them in there and you could have your picture drawn and you could whatever and then you went into a table and the tables sat I think about 10 people and on the table there were um, bottles of champagne there were bottles of in in you know like chip wine cool champagne coolers or whatever they are mm-hmm. and beer bottles of beer on one end and each table had its own rolling bar and it was all the top shelf liquors oh my word um, and I'm like so that and the food was unbelievable um, Chateaubriand uh, she had uh, I think uh, redfish some redfish not salmon mm. um, snapper it was red snapper and something else and a, also a pasta plate if you wanted it and then um, everything I mean and again anything you wanted everything you wanted um, then you went into another uh, or she had a band play and it was a lot of fun and then when the band took a break the dj played oh my gosh uh-huh. and then dessert. Uh, it sounds like oh my quite God. a and wedding then, and then dessert you know there was she had an an ice cream sundae bar she had a, a cotton candy bar she had all kinds of neat things and but the the, the weirdest part was the room was separated and you could tell it was separated and it was the bride's and the groom's difference between the bride and the groom's side. And the groom's side, John Gotti Jr. Oh, my gosh. Was holding court. And she would she she was walking around with this huge purse. And she, she got envelopes that had to be an inch thick of cash. Oh, my gosh. So, that's a Honestly, it sounds like um, Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like of. a scene from Goodfellas. Kind of, but it was just, it was the most incredible, it was a black tie event. Um, so my husband had to rent a tux. <laughs> and as did everybody else, and I talked to her mother, and her, I said, said to her, you know, her mother said to me, we tried to talk her into, instead of having this big wedding, because she was an only child, so they were going to give her the money that they used for the wedding for a down payment for a house. And, uh, She's like, nope. uh, So she's been, the last time I saw her was actually at my husband's funeral. We hadn't seen each other for a while in between there. Because as I said, she had to separate from everybody. Mm. And uh, she was actually my maid of honor when I got married. So it was, um, yeah, so it was, but 
I, I mean, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You don't know what want to know what John does. You don't want to do what. That's, that's what it was. So, yeah, so they don't always have to look like they're... Uh, like they are a crime boss to be yeah, a crime boss. To be a crime boss, yeah. Well, Pam, you know I'm going to say, right? That is another book. chapter for your book. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Yeah, that, that was, that was... That's a night to remember right there. Just that whole experience. It's phenomenal. But, I, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's always they can't judge a book by its co- cover. You, you know, you have to get to know a person. You shouldn't just go with your first impression. Um, all of these types of uh, sayings, um, I think, speaks to um, Acacia's you know, initial reaction that he just does not seem like he would be that kind of, of person. He just does not seem like he would be a crime boss. Um, and I think it's also because she's seen various layers of his personality shine through, like when he was defending her um, with the woman from Lyon and uh, really trying to encourage her to speak up for herself. Um so, you know, in the midst of that musing, you know, she's really then thinking about what should she do? I mean, Breckman's out. He's uh, not in custody. He's going back to the hotel. Even if he's leaving, I mean, he's still around. And I'm sure she's thinking that he has to know it was her, um, even though her name wasn't attached to the complaint. Um so as she's asking Luke about it, her phone rings, and she picks up the call, and uh, who is it but Celine, um, who's lovely saying, Celine. lovely Celine, who is delivering the message that the boss man wants to see her at 8.30, so Monsieur Roy wants to see him in his office mm-hmm. at 8.30. And Celine is only the bearer of bad news. She does not know what or why. And I can but, picture Celine with the phone in her hand, her nose yes. in the air saying, the, you know, yeah. Exactly. The description that SR writes is her tone was smug. So, again, this is another ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Mm-hmm. Here's another strike against you, Acacia. You think you're better than we are, which she doesn't. But Celine was very smug with her response. So, you know, Luke was asking, was that work? And, you know, obviously, Acacia tells him what's going on. That she needs to be in by 8.30. Her manager wants to see her. And Luke says he's going to take her. And Acacia, trying to have that separation, was like, oh, I'll take a taxi. um, Because my motorcycle is still at the hotel. Remember, she got a ride from one of the BRB agents back Mm -hmm. to her apartment. And Luke was pretty insistent that he wasn't going to let her go on her own. Um, you know, he does not want her to walk in there by 
herself. And uh, she's, again, trying to, you know, just brush him off, say, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm quite capable of going to work. And uh, even though he really felt that it would be better for him to be there. And, and he raised the point, look, Breckman's going to be at the hotel. Um, if, if I'm there and he knows it, it will send a message. And that's when Acacia is thinking, uh, hmm, I'm wondering how many people actually know what's going on. And Luke continues to reassure her that it's it's not just, you know, it's not a broad, it hasn't been broadcast. And uh, he, he really wanted her to not be by herself. And so he suggested that she would stay with her friends, Eve and Veronique, or even with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, uh-huh. That, that's, that's. <laughs> oh, by the way, I have uh, an extra bed. It's right beside me in the bed. <laughs> yes, yes. I have a perfect place for you to stay. But again, you know, let's give Luke some, let's give him some slack. I think he really is smitten with her and never really got over her. Um, But, you know, in Acacia's mind, it's a definite no. And he said, you you didn't even consider it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not infected with the plague. You know, and, and she, you know, to her credit, she's defending her stance, you know. She did say it's very kind of you to offer, but no. Um, she just thought it was a terrible idea and that it wouldn't be a good idea for them to be together considering their history. And so he was frustrated by that. But he, I think then he lamented because he knew he couldn't push it too far with Acacia. And he said, okay, but if you see anything suspicious... Or if anything suspicious happens, she needs to call Philippe or call him. And, um, you know, he asked her if Philippe had given her a card, but Acacia said that no, actually, Philippe wanted her to put his her number in his phone. No, his number in her phone. And uh, she did that last night. So, and here's another. Oh, uh, <laughs> You know, you know, I have a little crush on Luke. I, I think he's so I sweet. I, I think his, I think his, I think his affection for her is very endearing. I don't know if I have an actual crush on Luke, but I just think the way he is towards her is very endearing. Um, and he cleared his throat and asked, with bated breath, holding on to knowing what the answer to this: Am I still programmed in your phone? You know what I wanted to say at that? <laughs> I called you because of of what of the painting. I right. used my cell phone. Hello. Right, right. I think my phone number is still hooked up to you. He's you know, this is another way of baiting her to try and get her to say that she still has feelings for him, in my opinion. <laughs> and, you know, Kez said, uh oh, and then Lorraine says, very convenient. And Joni says, poor Luke, I know. A long look passed between them. Ah, and then she turned and disappeared into the bathroom. Ah. Oh. She left him hanging. Again. 
again. <laughs> she loves and that playing. is the end of chapter nine. Yes. So poor, poor Luke, but poor Acacia too. I mean, to get called in a half an hour before your shift, there is nothing good that happens nothing when you're called in. Yes. Nothing. You know, she must, she must have a sense of doom. Um, <laughs> Kaz says, LOL. I would. <laughs> I would too, actually. I would be usually if you're called in before, it's either something that you did or something you have to prepare to deal with. And my in my line of work, usually it's something that I had to be ready for, like, oh, we're getting sued today, or, <laughs> yeah. well, or yeah. oh, there are going to be a bus full of Amish and Mennonite people uh, protesting the public hearing that of one of our licensing boards today. Be ready. True story. It happened. It wasn't just one busload. There were three. So, yeah, those are the kind of calls that I would get in anticipation of. Were they Amish or Mennonite? A little of both, but usually more Mennonite. More Mennonite. I I just, I remember getting called into work once early. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, it was bad, but not for me. One of the, we, um. I was in direct marketing for a lot of years, and we had this one uh, account, Citibank, and they did a, a, an insurance program at some point in time. And so we had to do all these mailers for get get their mailers together for them. Mm-hmm. And we, did, we didn't do the physical printing on the piece. What we did was we would create a tape um, that could be run through a computer, that could be sent to, that it was all sent to a printer. And then mm-hmm. would have whatever you needed. And then they would either apply through inkjetting process or through label process. You know, the information makes we makes sense to me. Yeah. One of the things you learn in direct mail is that a dupe is a dupe is a dupe. So you want to get rid of them all and so that you're not getting five different pieces of the same mailing. Exactly. In, in any event, um, we, so I get this phone call and uh, uh, at home. And it's this guy that I worked with, Mike, and, and uh, he said to me, can you come in now? Can you please come in now? I'm like, yeah, sure, what's the matter? And he's like, We'd, I've been here all night. We had put, got this job finished, and I put it, gave, gave it to a messenger to take it to where it had to go in, in Manhattan. And uh, the truck was stolen. We have to recreate everything. <laughs> Recreate all the output. Oh, oh no! Yeah, yeah. So, oh I, my god! Because it, it all had to be at, a, at this printer by a certain amount of time, and uh, so we got it all together, and um, we got it to them. But it was uh, it was a whole crew of us that had to come in and and make sure everything was run properly, make sure the labels looked good, they were lined up properly, and box them up and get them out again. Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, Never a dull moment, Pam. No, the good old days, the good old days in jerk marketing. We were doing (laughs) labels. I know. As opposed to just posting things uh, through the internet and and passing them along or through Dropbox or whatever. So, anyhow. Another chapter for your book? Another, well, yeah, 20 year chapter on that book. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had taken a quick look. I didn't see any affirmations, but I did have yeah. one, and this was about SR. And I'm just very thankful 
that he is deep in the writing cave. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful he is enjoying himself as he writes and finishes Gabriel for. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited about that book. I am too. And, and I'm really, really news, excited. Whatever other news he's got coming along. Well, yes, because we've been waiting. Mm -hmm. And now I know it's going to be worth the wait. I know it. I'm convinced. So, but this has been fun. I really enjoyed chatting with uh, you and having a time to see Lorraine and Joni and Tiara and Kez. It was good to see Thanks, everybody. Kez. And uh, we hope you all have a good week. <laughs> Lorraine says, I was going to say that for my affirmation, LOL. <laughs> I think we probably all feel that way, but oh my gosh. And I, you know, I just, I hope he's, he's enjoying himself and being well um, and letting that creativity, the inspiration of the muses uh, bring him forward uh, because he really does have a gift and I'm very thankful that he's sharing it with all of us. reading Gabriel, the Gabriel Four books, and I'm looking forward to the news when it ever finally comes out. Yes. Uh, you know, um, I know that there were three. There's the, I know the Man in the Black Suit and the, the uh, Florentine series are going to be um, translated into other languages, and I thought I saw something in here about the Man in the Black Suit in French uh, that Argyle Empire posted, but I, I don't know other than that. I don't know anything else. Um, the big announcement, whenever that comes along, and the fact that the uh, Gabriel Forrest should be uh, coming along pretty soon. He did mention that, you know, right now it's a novella, but he said he poss it's possible he may make that into a book. Oh, my gosh. Which would be awesome. Maybe that's the cause of the deep, deep. Deep in the cave. Deep in the cave? The deeper in... The, the bigger the book, in, yeah, right? Maybe you never know. <laughs> that would be great. You never know. Yeah, so, so, well, I'm glad we could spend time together, and yes. that, um, and it was great to see those of you who could join us Friday night. We had a nice recap of uh, of the prior couple chapters, and Lorraine says, "OMG, I can't take the excitement." I know, Lorraine. I feel the same way. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> Kev says alone with Professor Emerson yes uh -huh. isn't that where we all except for Betty would rather be Betty would rather be alone <laughs> with Paul and by the way Betty sends her apologies for not being here tonight um, I understand that there is a, a new baby coming into the world today tonight. oh so that's so great that's so Bella. great mm -hmm. so, best be. wishes best Betty wishes. And we'll speak on on Sunday, so that'll yes. be at, on the their podcast at, at five o'clock Sunday night, New York. <laughs> so, anyhow, so next week we're going to be going over chapters ten and eleven. Ten and eleven, two yeah. chapters, because they're fairly short. Yeah. So. And uh, that'll be good. We'll be able yeah. we'll be able to do that. And we look forward to having seeing you all next week. I can't yes. believe it's already going to be 
<laughs> April 25th. I know. I know. How is that possible? I, exactly. It's not, it can't be. It can't be. It goes too fast. goes too fast. So, yes, it anyway, does. So we'll, we'll see you all next week. And uh, for your listening pleasure, I have Astrid uh, Gilberto and Antonio Carlos Jobim in Aqua de Bieber for you. <laughs>